Welcome to The Truth Must Be Told. I hope that you have been enjoying this podcast. We have covered many subjects, and, you know, we're going to continue to do that. The response has been excellent, and I will continue to bring you quality podcasts from which you can learn and perhaps give you some hope in this uncertain world. If you have missed any episodes, you can go to thetruthmustbetold.org and you will find a link for anchor.fm, which will allow you to listen to previous podcasts absolutely free. It's free to visit the site and free to listen. And while you're there, consider hitting that support button and help this ministry to continue to grow around the world. Thank you for your support and for joining me here on The Truth Must Be Told. Hello, hello, all things Star Trek today on The Truth Must Be Told. He's just ignorant. He doesn't know any better than to tell the truth. It's the truth. I just want to report the truth. It'd be a nice change of pace. Okay? When in doubt, tell the truth. Edward, I tried to tell the truth, and it kicked me off the air. You can't handle the truth! And now, speaking the truth, even though it hurts, here's the host of The Truth Must Be Told, Sal Passos. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Trek Tuesday. Yes, it's Star Trek today, all things Trek, today on Tuesday. I hope you all had a great weekend. I apologize for not being here, but you're going to have to tolerate me for a little bit because of my illnesses and difficulties that I'm having, but we're working on that and feeling a little bit better today, with the exception of a little soreness I've had from actually going swimming in the pool yesterday, Uh, because my muscles are not used to doing all that stuff, so anyway. All right, so here we go. It is Trek Tuesday. Uh, oh, before we start, I just want to wish a happy birthday to Meg. Hi, Meg, my dear sister. Um, she is in uh, North Carolina, I believe. You're up there. Have yourself a great day. I hope you had a beautiful day today. Happy, happy birthday. And uh, we all know how old you are. I know. I know. Uh, Meg and I graduated from high school same year, and... Uh, She's a wonderful, wonderful person. I love her and miss her dearly. Hope to see you guys soon or talk to you soon. God bless you. We're still praying for you guys. All right. Well, welcome to Trek Tuesday. Yes, this is going to be a great, great day in spite of... It won't be installed until Tuesday. The medical staff doesn't arrive till Tuesday. Load torpedo bay. Prepare to fire. High command. Captain, we don't have any torpedoes. Don't tell me. Tuesday. Yes, so don't tell me. Tuesday. (laughs) Yes, it is Star Trek Tuesday. But uh, so we're going to try to stick with everything Star Trek today, and we're we're um, I might I even have a surprise for you after the break, so it'll be real good. And uh, so here we go. Um, Star Trek. Well, what's new? Uh, First thing new that's been in the in the upcoming stuff. We have new shows that are starting in 2021. Of course, we have the, I believe, the fourth season of Discovery, the second season of Picard, uh, third season I think, or second season of Lower Decks, which is eh, and then two new ones are going to be Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm really interested in seeing Strange New Worlds. That is going to be the one with um, with. uh, Captain Pike in charge of the Enterprise before uh, before um, Kirk takes over. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. That should be uh, that should be pretty interesting. So and they all will be coming in 2021. So stand by for some new adventures. I'm really uh, looking forward to this. 
and seeing uh, what new things are coming out. Now, I am definitely a Star Trek. Um, uh, I'm like the old school guys, you know, and, and pushing it. Enterprise actually kind of pushed it for me a little bit. I did did like Enterprise. Um, excuse me for scratching my back, folks. So I got a, I think, sunburn or something back there. Um, I do like Star Trek Enterprise. It is one of my favorite shows. I think with uh, Scott Bakula at the helm there, he did a wonderful job. And he, he, he said he would be willing to come back and redo Captain Archer or maybe Admiral Archer. Depends on where they put him in the timeline. So, well, we're really looking forward to I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And uh, Strange New Worlds, I, definitely, I am looking forward to seeing where they take that. And just, uh, it's just a really, really good. Now, Discovery, I don't know if you all been watching Discovery. You catch it on that uh, Paramount Plus network, which was formerly CBS. Um, and it just, it really, it was a good, I think it was a good show. I think the, where they put it in the timeline and everything, I, I still have a problem with the newer shows having more technical ability than the original series but you know you take it as it goes and 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 whatnot so uh we just we just deal with it on that uh on that basis uh star trek picard uh no spoilers i will not give out any spoilers about picard other than say uh i'm hopefully that uh, john delancey is going to make a reappearance as q and i think on a regular basis with that one i think he's really really interested in that uh, apparently john delancey really likes star trek he likes being in star trek so we'll see what happens with that. Lower Decks is a very vulgar uh, cartoon version of um, some uh, Star Trek characters. Eh, I did watch it to give it a chance, but it was, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. okay, it's, you know, whatever. Some people like it. i not something I, uh, I, I don't know, I could care less whether it comes back or not, but it was just uh, interesting to see them throw that to a different ship and, and whatnot. So, uh, so those that will be coming in uh, 2021. So we're looking forward to some new adventures. We'll see what happens there. Now, uh, on Facebook, I saw this post by a gentleman named Michael Bastraw, and he puts this um, uh, he puts this little trivia thing in here, and I thought it'd be interesting to share it here on the show today. Now, this is from the Star Trek episode "Journey to Babel." I think it was in the second season. I think it might have been like the tenth episode of the second season. It was uh, broadcast in 1967. So, um, gee, I was nine years old then. Nine. All right. So, for two weeks after the airing of this episode, Mark Leonard. Now, if you don't know who Mark Leonard is, I'll try to fill you in on these characters as you go along. Mark Leonard uh, is an actor who played uh, Spock's father, uh, Ambassador Sarek. And Jane Wyatt which you probably remember as you old-timers remember from uh, Father Knows Best and things like that. She played his mother. So um, uh, Mark Leonard, who was, I think, the only actor to play, was the only actor, the first actor to play three different characters. He played a Vulcan, a Klingon, and a Romulan in the Star Trek um, original series uh, timeline. So I thought that was interesting. He was a, uh, I think he first appeared as a Romulan in... uh, uh, in uh, the original series, he was, yeah, he, he was a Romulan first. What was that? Was that Balance of Power or Balance of Terror, I think that one was. I think it was Balance of Terror, uh, which he, he, which I think is a, is a um, makeup of, um, 
It's a spoof off of uh, The Enemy Below, if you get a chance, if you guys know anything about that movie with Robert Mitchum. It's almost, it's almost an exact parallel to that, only taking place in space. It's really interesting. But anyway, Leonard played a Romulan commander. Then he played uh, Spock's father. And then in the, Klinga, in, the, in the Star Trek The Motion Picture, he played a Klingon. And he was in the, the uh, turtle head gear and all that. So it was interesting. So anyway, two weeks after the airing of this episode, Mark Leonard received more fan mail than Leonard Demoy. In the first episode, and this is the um, uh, Journey to Babel, in this first episode ever to feature Spock's parents, actors Mark Leonard and June Wyatt asked Leonard Nimoy for advice on how the two of them could display their affection for one another in a subtle way, since Vulcans are without emotion. Since it was Nimoy who had devised the Vulcan neck pinch and the Vulcan salute, Nimoy suggested that they touched and stroked each other uh, they would touch and stroke each other's hand by the index figure and middle fingers. If you see them in the show, they do that. And there's a show of affection or kissing or whatever. Now, Jane Wyatt would only play Spock's mother one more time. And she did that in the film Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Uh, she also was Star Trek, the animated series, uh, yesteryear. That was in 1973. But to save costs, uh, Majel Barrett voiced the role. Mark Leonard... However, reprised the role of Sarek in the animated series. Uh, Sarek, again, was Spock's father. And again, in the film Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. As well as Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, Star Trek The Next Generation Sarek, and Star Trek The Next Generation Unification. Unification one, And it's so... Uh, so Mark Leonard was highly involved in the Star Trek universe. Gene Roddenberry wrote the scene in which Amanda tells Kirk of the rift between Spock and Sarek. Writer D.C. Fontana felt that it would be inappropriate for her to discuss this with someone, uh, someone she had just met, but Roddenberry wanted Kirk to, uh, to be more involved with the story. Jane Wyatt was not familiar with the series and had assumed that it was a comedy after reading the script. But on her first day at work, she saw that the cast and crew took the show very seriously. Writer D.C. Fontana chose the name Amanda for Spock's mother because it means worthy of love in Latin. And that is from IMBD. I guess he shared that from IMBD. Uh, again, from Mike, uh, Mike uh, Bastraw. Thank you, Mike, for sharing that. Yeah, the Journey to Babel was a very interesting one. It, it holds a... Um, it holds a lot of things, and it shows it shows that there was a gathering of of um, interplanetary ambassadors, and they were trying to go to this this uh, planet called Babel, where they were going to have um, a meeting to whether to allow a planet to come into the uh, into the uh, Federation, the Corrigan uh, Corrigan Corrigan, yeah, I think so. So, uh, but there was a, uh, the Orions wanted to stop that because if they started into interplanetary war, they would be able to clean up both on both sides, selling dilithium crystals and supplies to both sides of the, of the, uh, wars. So they were in there to, to do espionage and whatever. And it was a really good episode. Uh, Spock, Spock had to, um, 
give a transfusion to Sarek to save his life because he had a heart problem and McCoy had to operate on his heart and he needed massive amount of bloods, blood and Spock was going to do it and then Kirk got injured and <clears throat> wasn't able to return to the bridge so Spock said he wasn't going to do it. So there's really the story about the son saving the father's life and at the end, at the end uh, Jane Wyatt as Amanda says, and you... Um, Sarek, will you also say thank you to your son for saving your life? And he says, one doesn't thank Amanda. It doesn't thank logic, Amanda. Spock did, and the only way he, he, he took logical steps or something like that. And Amanda's like, logic, logic, I am sick to death of hearing about your logic. Do you want to know how I feel about your logic? And Spock turns to his father and says, emotional, isn't she? And Sarek says, she has always been so. He says, indeed, why did you marry her? <laughs> and Sarek says, at the time, it seemed the logical thing to do. So I thought that was uh, I thought that was really nice. And then they did their little finger touch together. It was a very, very nice ending to it. And so that was a very, very good thing. But, I, yeah, I did enjoy that episode along with many, many others. Uh, Star Trek, the original series, by far, uh, is my, my all-time favorite as far as Star Trek is concerned. Seeing the maybe because it was first and I uh, and I was in the you know in the there with it you know it started when I was uh, eight years old and has <clears throat> lasted now for how long? What I say the last time we were together fifty something years. Yeah, it it's been here. Let's see. What did I say it was? So in 1958, I was born, and in, let's see, this thing started at, well, yeah, that's right. Last time we talked about Star Trek, it was, um, what's his name's birthday? Uh, Patrick Stewart, Sir Patrick Stewart's birthday. So, um, okay, so we got a lot of, lot of years here. So figure since 1966, 55 years and still going strong. 55 years, you know, and I've been, I've been watching it since I've been eight. So, yes, I do love Star Trek. And when I get the opportunity to watch the series in order, uh, which is really a good way to do it, but there, there are a lot of episodes in the original series I don't like. I don't like the uh, uh, was it the journey to Eden and uh, with the with the hippies that were there and uh, uh, I don't like Miri. The Miri Miri was a good story, but I just couldn't stand the kids. That moon just literally bugged me out. I just couldn't. I just don't like that. Um, there were a few that I, they're not on my favorite lists, but there are so many episodes and I can almost quote them verbatim. I've watched them so many times. The original series, I loved it, the original series, not at first. At first, I just I was despised against it because how dare they come out and not have Kirk. Uh, so to me, that was a big, uh, you know, nah, 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 you don't want to do that. But I gave it a chance, and I watched it, and yes, absolutely, it's pretty good. It was pretty good, pretty good, pretty well done, and very... Um, uh, it, it was good. It, it, it was good. Let me just put it that way. Uh, there were a few episodes in there I really couldn't stand, but, but you know, that's the way it goes. And I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of Whoopi Goldberg, but I did like her as, as Guinan on the show, and that, uh, and that goes without saying. So anyway, 
What else? Uh, oh, yeah. And then uh, when they came out with Deep Space Nine, no, that one flopped. And I, as far as I'm concerned, I did watch every episode of Deep Space, Deep Space Nine to give it a chance to figure out, you know, whether, whether I do like this or not. And I was, eh. You know, it was good. There were a few episodes in it that I liked. Uh, Trials and Tribulations was one of my favorites. Of course, anything having to do with time travel, that's my gig. I like that. <clears throat> so I was really in, I was really uh, pleased with that one. And if you haven't seen that one, they use the um, I don't know what they call it, but I'll call it the Forrest Gump thing, where they superimpose the new actors into the old show, into the original series, Trouble with Tribbles. And I thought it was which was great because that was the other thing too. Trouble with Tribbles is one of my favorite episodes, as a lot of you uh, called it. Trouble with Tribbles called that episode as being your favorite. And uh, so I, I I really enjoyed that Trials and Tribulations with uh, Deep Space Nine. The, um, you know, then Voyager came out, and I gave Voyager a chance. I really liked that one. Voyager was good. Uh, it had uh, it had some good, uh, good things to it. I really liked uh, Chakotay in that with his, um, his uh, Native American ways and his spiritualism there. I thought that was really cool. And seeking guidance from his uh, ancestors, I thought that was awesome. The uh, probably one of my favorites is, on that one is called the Thirty Threes or the Thirty Yeah the Thirty Thirds the Thirty Seconds the Thirty Thirds I forgot what it's called, but they had um, the Thirty Sevens I think. It was uh, they arrived on they found this plant actually they found an old Ford pickup truck floating in space, <laughs> and um, they followed its trails rust trail back to this planet. Uh, where they found a colony of humans and some uh, people who were abducted in on Earth back in the 1930s and 40s, uh, frozen uh, in uh, cryogenic sleep, and one of them was Amelia Earhart. I thought that was really a good episode, and uh, Amelia Earhart was one of Captain Janeway's um, idols uh, and uh, it, that inspired her to be a captain of a starship. So I thought that was really interesting. I really enjoyed that one as well. That was a good good episode. Uh, then, of course, uh, Enterprise came out. And Enterprise I totally fell in love with. The only ones I don't love on Enterprise are the... Uh, I, I could take or leave the ones with the um, the augments. All right, with, with, with Khan Noonien Sung and all that stuff. I Yeah, I could take it or leave it. It was eh. Those were okay, but, you know, it was Enterprise, so I, you know, I dealt with it, but... Not definitely not my favorites. I did not like the way they killed off Trip. I thought Trip could have um, gotten a better deal out of that whole thing, but that's the way they wanted to end the show, and it's really a shame that they ended it that way because there was so much. I wish they didn't end the show. I wish it went on for a few more seasons. It was really it was good. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sorry to see it. I'm sorry to see it break up. So, all right. So that's my just my brief summary of the. Enterprise stuff and uh, behind the scenes things. Uh, if you f if you find any books on uh, Star Trek, you know, like the making of Star Trek or uh, anything like that, there was one written by Gene Roddenberry, I think. I think it was called The Making of Star Trek. It was a pretty thick uh, paperback that I read, and I, I don't even know what happened to it. I don't know if my ex wife got rid of it or what. I, I have no idea. But that book <clears throat> went into a lot of detail of how they found certain things, how they created certain things for the original series and what they had to do to make the show a little more um, scientific in nature and whatever. So, 
All right. So I tell you what, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I've got a big surprise for you. All right. So just stand by. All right, welcome back. All right, before I get into my surprise for you, and uh, I just want to remind you that I will be doing sometime in early September, uh, and we're 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 cutting it close now because goodness gracious, we're in August. We're on August tenth, so you guys need to do me a favor. <clears throat> Number one, you need to go to the truthmustbetold.org, truthmustbetold.org. And there are links there to, to show you how to communicate with me. You can send me an email. But I want you to send me an email and tell me about anything that you've experienced in re- regards to UFOs, fly, you know, flying saucers, UFOs, Bigfoot, uh, angels, demons, uh, any ghost activity you've seen. I- I'm interested to hear your stories. I will share them on the air. I am not going to give your name. I'll, you keep, you're totally anonymous. It's only between you and me and God. And I want to get these stories out there. I've got three stories. Nobody else has written in three stories. And I really need you guys to, you know, get into the groove here and send me something. I mean, you tell me something that you've experienced a good, maybe you've had an angelic visitation bad. You know, maybe you've had, you've battled with demons. Uh, Maybe you've seen a manifestation of demons. Maybe you've known somebody who was demon possessed you know, maybe you've been walking in the woods and had an experience with Bigfoot. Were you abducted by a UFO? I'm going to discuss all this stuff, and I want to get your take on it. So if you have any any story that you'd like me to share, please, I'm begging you, please. I can't fill a show with three stories. Send me send me a story that you would like. If you know anybody that's if you know somebody that's had a story, then you don't have to give me their name or anything. Just send me the story so I could share it. And we'll look at things from a biblical point of view. Okay, so that's the truth must be told.org. That's the truth must be told.org. And on there you'll see links to get you to the email, and you can uh, contact me there. It also have links to make a donation to the ministry and uh, through PayPal, or you can go to anchor.fm and uh, check me out there as well. And that's why I put that up there for you as well. Anchor.fm slash sal passos. You know, hit the support button and help this ministry to grow. All right. Your gift of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99 a month will help maintain the website and allow this podcast to continue to reach, <clears throat> excuse me, around the world with the good news of Jesus and the fun stuff that we do here as well, uh, such as Trek Tuesdays. I love doing Trek Tuesdays. It's a fun time, and I'm hopefully, hope, 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 hopefully, we'll be able to continue this. And uh, I hope you guys, you know, and give me your honest input on what I'm about to share. So, starting several years ago, many, many years ago, when I was sitting around with nothing to do, uh, working an overnight shift at an ambulance company, waiting to hear, you know, for a call to come in, I began jotting down notes for a book. I wanted to write a Star Trek novel, but I didn't want to get into characteristics with Kirk and Spock and things like that. What I wanted was a book 
that would explore another ship. And I guess maybe I was a pioneer in those days to to think about, yeah, maybe we'll do another ship. We'll do another, um, you know, story behind that. And But I also felt a little, I was trying to do justice to some characters in the original series that never showed up after their first appearance. And they didn't show up again, is what I'm saying. They, they, they were good to the show, but they never showed up again. So I tried to put them into the story. And uh, did a lot of research as to timelines and when this took place. And so this takes, takes place after the journey to Babel. And um, after the time with the Trouble with Tribbles takes place after that in the Star Trek timeline. Kirk is still captain of the Enterprise. This has to do with another ship. And I named the ship the Columbia. Now, the Columbia is a uh, Miranda-class starship. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, uh, she is a, um, it's the type that, um, it's the type of ship that was used, uh, the Reliant in, uh, the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek, the Wrath of Khan. The, uh, she was a, um, let me switch over to the screen here so you can see. This is a Miranda's type starship. All right. And this particular one, I believe is the Reliant is the USS Reliant, and Columbia is taking place aboard a ship like this. Uh, interesting enough, they're, they, uh, from what I've read, they are pretty much on an equal level with a uh, Constitution-class starship. They have uh, similar firepower, uh, warp capability. The only difference that this being a smaller ship is able to maneuver a little bit better, and she has various purposes throughout. Now, there's also this is an upgrade from the Soyuz-class, there was a Soyuz-class ship that was similar to this. It did not have this have the uh, uh, what we call the, uh, the, um, the 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 not the speed bar, but had, didn't have the thing on the top. It just was the 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 uh, the saucer section, and that was it. So the, basically, this is a ship with looks like the Enterprise, but it doesn't have the superstructure underneath. It's just a saucer section with nacelles. So that being said, that was my ship. I fell in love with that ship actually. Um, because of because of um, Star Trek, uh, The Wrath of Khan. I thought that was a great-looking little ship, and I said, oh, that is cool. I like that. So as I began to design this uh, book, I said, yeah, she's going to be a Miranda class. I like that. That's a Miranda class. That's cool. So and they, they, they were in, uh, obviously, they were in use during that time. Now, the name Columbia, I had picked the USS Columbia. She... Was re she's named after the Columbia in NXO2. That was the only other ship. The NXO2 from uh, Star Trek Enterprise. The NXO1 was the Enterprise. The NXO2 was the Columbia. And so uh, the, when they when they uh, dedicated this ship and put it out, they named her the Columbia. And uh, we will, uh, you know, we're going to continue. So I'm going to read uh, one of the chapters of this book. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. And let me know what you think, and I'll continue with the. Uh, I'll continue reading this usually on the Trek Tuesdays, or as often as you'd like. If you'd like me to put out another chapter or so, it's not a short. It's not a, a long novel. I think there's maybe ten chapters. I, I, you know, I'm I'm planning on expanding it and getting into more detail with it. Uh, but I I really enjoyed writing this, and I'm hoping. Hey, you don't know the problems you have for writing a Star Trek novel. There are certain things you cannot do. And one of the other reason I wanted to go to another ship 
was because you have to stay true to the main characters. You cannot write a story that kills off Kirk or Spock or any of the main characters. And uh, there's only one publisher that publishes it, and they're very particular as to what they what they publish. And I don't. I I have a friend who knows a woman who was working for the publisher, so I do have a, an an in if I want to try to get this done. But I've got a lot lot more to to write on and add more f- things to it. And it has been a work in progress for many many years, and I've sat on it for a long time, and I've wanted people to read it. So uh, I, I'm going to give it to you today. I'm going to give it to you today. So uh, let me know what you think. I'm not reading the whole thing today. We'll read chapter one, and you let me know what you think. And I hope I hope I hear some good things back for you, from you. Okay. All right. So this is the name of the book. is called Doppelganger. Doppelganger, which is another one of my favorite words. Uh, so Doppelganger. Star Trek. Uh, we're going to call this, I guess we can call it Star Trek Columbia Doppelganger. The sky was growing dark on this accursed planet. Orion's two suns were dim as it was, and the darkening of the sky made the whole feeling of the place rather eerie. The people who inhabited this world were, as expected, different. Humanoid in form, they were about the same size and shape as humans, with some differences within the internal organs. They were also faster and stronger than us, but not able to adjust to rapid changes in their environment. Captain Laurent did not have any love for these people. They were manipulative and could not be trusted, but their help was needed. It was only through the help of the Orions that this plan of the Alliance would work. The Orions knew that they better behave themselves. The Federation may retaliate against them with trade embargoes, but the Klingons would retaliate with disruptors. Laurent thought about the early days of Starfleet when he dreamed of being the captain of a starship. Exploring unknown reaches of the galaxy and facing unknown dangers was something he looked forward to. Now here he was on a planet with a race of people that he tried desperately to understand, but he could not. All his training could not prepare him to deal with the unbelievable unbelievable arrogance and stubbornness of the Orions. Of course, He would do what he had to do. He always did. That was why he was chosen for this mission. He followed orders. You must understand, Tunak, Laurent began. What you are asking for is impossible. Oh, it is very possible, hissed the Orion, if you want it to be. After all, my people are going through some very risky affairs to obtain the information you need. A rumble occurred in the sky above them. You do not speak for all Orion, said Tunak. Uh, excuse me. You do not speak for all of Orion, Tunak, barked Sanchu. I also may say what it is to be. Sanchu, you must be in agreement with all the council on all issues, said Hosan. No, cried Sanchu. This is why there is a council, so that there may be discussion and differences heard. Laurent let this go on for a little while. He would not interfere with the council. It also made sense to let them argue in front of him. He would be better able to judge which ones were with him or not. He would then probe for weaknesses and find something that might work to his advantage later on. Tunak was the spokesman of the council. He was incredibly old, tall and muscular, as were all Orions. His age had slowed him down physically, but his mind was as sharp as ever. Husan was the youngest Orion in the group. 
He was very outspoken, and it was clear to Laurent that he sided with Tunak on all issues. Sanshu was the leader of the lower class of the planet. His people were the ones who did all the labor. They were the artisans and craftsmen of Orion. He was more defensive and protective of his people. He felt, at times, that they were taken advantage of. His women, the seductive slave women, as they were called, consistently were consistently being sold or traded. This bothered Sanshu very much, but he, would do, he could do little about it. Hussan wanted to be always on the winning side, no matter who it was, and right now, Tunak was the head of the council. So he tried to persuade Tunak, uh, Sanshu, to side with Tunak as well. But to disagree is not always a good thing, said Hussan. That is why we have a council, Hussan, spouted Sanshu, so all may have a say. Tunak was extremely quiet at this point, and Laurent had noticed that he was watching him, perhaps also probing for weaknesses. He decided it was time to speak up. Gentlemen, this argument is getting us nowhere. It would not be possible to turn over the technology of my ship. Consider this. Would you turn over your secrets to us? No. Let us be truthful, then. We could not do what you ask. Lauren hoped that this would calm them, but Tunak was persistent. Do you wish this mission of yours to be successful, Laurent? Then I would request again that you allow us to view your memory banks so that we know that you are being truthful with us. Laurent wanted to get up into the face of this Orion, but he held back his temper. Being particularly good at poker, he decided to hide his emotions. He was about to open his mouth to respond when a clap of thunder from the ion storm occurred. It was obvious that it was getting rapidly worse. This was pure luck, and he decided to take advantage of it. Tunak, I must return to my ship. The storm may cause some problems, and I will need to be there. Not waiting for a reply, he reached for his communicator, flipped it open, and attempted to uh, hail the ship. Captain Lauren to Columbia, ready to beam up. On board the Columbia. On board the Columbia, they were prepared for the storm. Ion disturbances can cause havoc on a starship. Recently, the Enterprise reported an encounter with an ion storm that affected their transporter, causing an opening in a parallel universe. All ships had been ordered not to transport during such storms, which is why Chief Engineering Officer Denny was relieved to find that the captain had arrived safely from the surface. She was on her way to meet with him and to give him report on the preparations for the storm when she ran into the first officer, a Vulcan. Vulcans are extremely valuable to a captain, not to mention a ship's crew, because of their unwavering logic. They showed no emotion and could keep a cool head about, uh, keep a cool head about them even during life-threatening situations. Salat was tall, as most Vulcans, and extraordinarily strong. She had, report, she had personally seen him throw a man 20 feet across the room during a fight on Deep Space Station K-7. It seems that there were some seedy characters there when the Columbia arrived for shore leave that insisted Vulcans were cowards because of their nonviolent nature. Of course, Salat was not even phased by the insults, which infuriated the traitors even more. They had too much to drink, and Salat was ignoring them. As he was leaving, one of them jumped up and attempted to strike Salat in the face. The Vulcan instinctively used the neck pinch, and the man was down in a heartbeat. One more jumped him from behind, and Salat threw the man across the room. This seemed to quiet down the others. Salat just looked at the man and looked at them and walked out of the room. Vulcans seem strange to humans because of their very beliefs. 
Denny felt uncomfortable around him at times, but was glad he was on board. Engineer Denny, began Salat, I trust that you have your report ready for the captain. He has requested all essential personnel to assemble in briefing room four. I do. Thank you, Mr. Salat. Shall we go? Of course, Lieutenant. As they made their way to briefing room four, they met up with Dr. Mabenga, chief medical officer. He received his promotion just after the Caledon outpost incident in 2268. This was a wonderful opportunity for him because he would have the chance to study the Orions. Little was known about them. He looked forward to this mission just as he did when he re- interned on Vulcan during his medical training. He had already cataloged more information on the Orions that was ever known and was scheduled to meet with some of the healers of the planet. They have used native cures for years. Mabanga wanted to learn some of the techniques. Modern medicine was fine, but he knew from his experience on Vulcan that native remedies have some basis in fact, and he wanted to learn all that he could. Captain Lawrence was already in the briefing room with Ensign Smithers, the ship's navigator, and Lieutenant David Bailey, helmsman. The others joined them, and the meeting began. Ship status, Lieutenant? Lawrence posed this question to Denny. All ship systems are secure, Captain. There seems to be some disruption in the transporter, as we suspected. The ship is prepared for the storm. We are running with shields up, and I have ordered them only at 70% so we could conserve power to the engines. The storm is causing some disruptions in the matter-antimatter flow, but nothing to be concerned with at this time. Otherwise, the ship is, is normal and in all respects ready. Denny was, Denny was proud of her ship. Being one of the only female engineering officers in Starfleet, she worked very hard to prove herself and prove that she was the best. She knew the very heartbeat of the ship, and nothing would slip by her. Life sciences, Lawrence said, now turning to Dr. Mabenga. Sick bay is ready for the worst, if necessary, sir. We have been monitoring the crew's life signs since the storm began, and we have detected no significant changes. No changes at all, doctor, Lawrence queried. Well, unless you want to count, count some motion sickness, <laughs> Dr. Mabenga replied. All in the room laughed at this, except the Vulcan, of course. He could not understand humor. He was not logical. All right, doctor, Lauren chuckled. Lieutenant Bailey, what have you to report? Bailey was not only ship's helmsman, but also the security chief. We're maintaining a ready position, Captain, Bailey answered. All security teams have been briefed and prepared as per your order. Very well, Mr. Salat. Scanners show clear to three parsecs. Prior to the storm's arrival, there were some small fluctuations in the electric magnetic field. Uh, that magnetic field which around the ship, which I cannot explain. Speculation? Asked Laurent. None at this time, Captain. The fluctuations did not remain long enough to draw any conclusions. Also, at the way the storm is developing, it is interesting. I have never seen such a storm before. Although it is disrupting transport as expected... I have detected no effect on the space-time continuum as anticipated. I am monitoring the situation, of course. Salat did not say this in a prideful way. He just said it. Very well. Navigation? Ensign Smithers was a little green, but he knew his duty, and, <laughs> and he was determined to do it no matter what. Standard Albert is being maintained, sir, replied Smithers. His family was from old London on Earth, so he spotted a very interesting Cockney accent. He was proud to serve on a starship and most proud to be with Laurent. All ships' weapons are checked and ready. Excellent, said Laurent with a smile. Gentlemen, 
We have a situation that has developed with the Orions that I feel will determine the outcome of our mission. Tunak, the head of the council leader, has demanded free access to our computer databanks before he will offer any assistance. The response from those seated at the table was one of shock and amazement. Even Salat raised his eyebrow in typical Vulcan fashion and said, Fascinating. He must be out of his mind, piped Mbenga. Tunak seems to think that he can't trust us in this matter and would consider this an act of faith to seal the bargain, said Laurent. Captain, began the Vulcan, I assume that you have told him that this was impossible. Of course I did. Then will he continue the bargain? asked Denny. Not without assurances, Lieutenant, replied Laurent. Sir, we could not possibly turn over any information to the Orions that would that would be and could be suicide on our parts. Hold your course, Mr. Bailey, said replied Laurent. I believe we should consider this request. And that is why I bring it to you now so we could discuss it. Salat spoke up immediately. Captain, you have just said that you have told Tunak that it would be impossible for us to comply. Then why are you giving discussing even discussing with us this possibility? It goes beyond your scope of authority, and Starfleet would not approve of it. Not to mention, said Bailey, that we would be compromising the integrity of this mission and all security protocol. Bailey was getting a little excited. He was raising his voice at this point, but Lawrence didn't seem to be unfazed. Gentlemen, my orders state that I am free to do whatever is necessary to complete this mission, and if allowing access to our databanks is necessary, then I will consider it without the blessings of Starfleet as if need be. Denny was shocked at this. She was the closest to the captain than any other person there. She had served with him on many missions, and she could not believe what she was hearing. Something must have happened to him on the planet's surface. But what? This was not like him at all. She knew that he could he could be a maverick at times, but never to jeopardize the ship's crew and let alone the Federation. As with all Starfleet captains and the crew, she... Uh, with all Starfleet captains, the crew and the ship always came before anything else. She decided to speak up. Captain, why would you even consider such a request? The klaxon interrupted her. Red alert! Red alert! Captain to the bridge! The call from the communications officer, Raymond, always sounded the same no matter what the situation. Never was there any fluctuation in his voice. This was a gift to sound calm when chaos is happening around you. Laurent hit the calm. Laurent here. Captain, sensors have picked up a ship coming out of warp. Can you identify it, Lieutenant? Aye, sir, she's a Romulan. Has she seen us yet? No, sir, they are arriving on the opposite side of the planet. Laurent turned to the helmsman. Bailey, if we maintain this orbit properly, properly, how long before we are seen? Bailey turned on the screen in front of him and calculated quickly. Normally within five hours, but the ion storm is helping us. They may think we're just a shadow. It could buy us some added time. I agree, said Salat. We could use the storm as a screen and come up with a strategy for this. There were no reports of Romulans in this sector. This could get interesting. I have no intention of making this interesting, gentlemen, said Laurent. Man your posts and make the ship ready for action. Denny made her way to engineering. She would go there to secure the engines, weapons, and shields. Her crew was already preparing the ship. Warp engines were made ready and the phaser banks were charging up. She knew the photon torpedoes were being loaded in the tubes. 
The Columbia was a fine ship, and even though she was a Miranda class, she could match gun for gun that of a Constitution class. In fact, the Columbia had a slight advantage, being that she did not have the larger superstructure of the Constitution class. She could maneuver a bit quicker. Denny saw to it that all was ready for action in her section and notified the bridge. Lauren and Salat made their way to the bridge before Denny's report that all had reached them. Lawrence had taken up his seat and received reports that the ship was on full alert status and all departments were ready for action. Report, Mr. Bailey. Romulan vessel and opposing orbit from us, Captain, and there is no indication that we have been seen, replied Bailey. Tactical. Bailey hit a switch uh, and an image of Orion appeared on the screen. With it, images of the Columbia and its exact position to the Romulan ship. Tactical was a new weapon and welcome addition to the Columbia. She was uh, part of a new refit and the way, went way ahead of some other starships. Confirmed, sir, said the Vulcan. No unusual emissions or scanning, which would indicate that we have been spotted or that they were preparing for battle. Why are they here? asked Bailey. I don't know, answered Laurent. Mr. Slot, any guess? Vulcans do not guess, sir. I have not been able to speculate why the Romulans have chosen to arrive at Orion. It could only have something to do with the fact that Orions have been providing dilithium and other supplies to the Klingons, which would not sit well with the Praetor. Whatever the reason, we cannot allow ourselves to be seen. It would jeopardize the entire mission, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Raymond, monitor all transmissions from the Romulan vessel and keep us posted. Keep me posted. Raymond thought that he was strange, not because of the order. Monitoring the potential enemy transmission would always be a standard procedure. The fact that the captain told him to do it was a little unusual, even for Laurent. He thought for a moment that he all he, could, all he could say to the captain was, Aye, sir, and let it go. Mr. Salat, have they activated the transporters yet? No, sir, replied the Vulcan. They're in orbit. No activity whatsoever. Very good. Stand down to yellow alert, but have all crews maintained their positions for now. I want a briefing with all senior officers in five minutes. With that, Laurent left the bridge. Everyone knew that what the captain meant when he said jeopardize the mission. If the Romulans did not leave on their own accord, the Columbia would have to destroy them before they could report to the Praetor that Columbia was there. It could mean intergalactic war, and no one wanted that. No one wanted to kill a crew of Romulan ship either, but the choice between that and war, the answer was clear. If it appeared as though Columbia was to fall into the hands of the Romulans, the crew knew that they would have to destroy themselves beforehand to avoid the results of discovery. Only one admiral in Starfleet knew about this mission. A group from within the Federation was handling it quietly. This kept most of the Federation in the dark. Plausible deniability. If the leaders did not know anything, that would have, there would be nothing to lie about. If something happened to Columbia, it could be and always would be blamed on Captain Laurent. He alone would bear the shame if it failed. It would be explained as a rogue officer... That went crazy. Meanwhile, Bailey was thinking of a way that he could he would be able to hide the ship, that he learned something from his time on the Fasarius and thought it might work. He needed time to calculate it, and since he had over five hours before they would have to worry, he didn't panic and began to think it out. As the senior officers of the Columbia were headed towards the conference room, they all felt uneasy. Why were the Romulans there? This is not normal for them to be in this area, and several thoughts were formulating in the minds of the crew, too. They knew what the consequences would be if they failed, but something had to be done. Several of them remembered the years of war between the Romulans and Earth. Many had family members that were lost during those years of violence. 
There had been no Romulan activity, and the appearance of a bird of prey here could mean an attempt to violate the treaty. Denning was unsure of, what, of the captain at this point. If he were to turn over the ship's database to the Orions, what would happen if the Romulans got a hold of it? She shuddered a thought. Lawrence spoke up. All right, I want some answers. Slot answered, Was there anything in your briefing for this mission, sir, that would give us indication as to why the Romulans are here? Why would you assume that I would have any previous knowledge of this, Mr. Salat? Lawrence sounded irritated. It is logical. You were briefed before this mission began, and neither I nor any of the crew know all the details. Logic dictates that there is still more to be known. Sir, this could be a representative to the Orions, asked Bailey. Explain, said Lawrence. Well, sir, Bailey continued, we have received intelligent reports that the Romulans and Klingons are forming an alliance and it could be possible that this ship contains some sort of ambassador or negotiator from the Klingons due to their trade agreements. Speculation on your part, Mr. Bailey, replied Laurent. Why would a Klingon ambassador use a Romulan vessel? Technology, sir, answered the Vulcan. Logically, if there is an alliance forming between these two peoples, there could be sharing of technology and spacecraft design. Possibly the Romulans are just here to pick up some supplies for themselves, said Denny. Whatever the reason, gentlemen, we are not we're, we cannot allow ourselves to be seen, said Laurent. Mr. Salat, what do you suggest? Maintain opposing orbits as long as possible until we are sure of their intentions. Keep the ship at battle-ready status and expedite our negotiations with the Orions. Agreed, said Laurent. Mr. Bailey, you and Mr. Salat do whatever is necessary to keep the ship out of range of the Romulans. Understood? Aye, sir, replied Bailey. I'm going back to the service, surface to meet with Tunak, provided that the transporters are operational. The storm has subsided for a time, sir, and I think we could transport you without incident, said Denny. Very well. You have your orders. Carry on. And that is the end of Chapter 1 of Doppelganger. I hope you enjoyed that. That was fun to read. We'll pick up Chapter 2 again on another day. And uh, what is happening here? Wow. A lot of interesting things. Okay. Well, we'll see as time progresses. All right, so that's it for today. I want to say God bless to all of you for tuning in to The Truth Must Be Told. Today is not a typical format. Today we're doing Trek Tuesday, and I think we've had a lot of fun discussing all things Trek and uh, giving a chance for me to read, uh, read you the first chapter of my book. I look forward to your input. <laughs> so if you um, would please uh, do so, give me some feedback. I'd appreciate it. You can uh, write to me at thetruthmustbetold.org. Uh, it's thetruthmustbetold.org. I'm going to put that up here again, truthmustbetold.org. Or you can go to, uh, if you're on Facebook, you can Facebook me there on uh, Private Messenger, or you can email me at thetruthmustbetold93 at gmail.com. All right. I look forward to uh, talking with you again. We'll meet hopefully again on Thursday, God willing. And uh, you guys have yourself a wonderful evening. God bless, and thank you for tuning in to The Truth Must Be Told. We'll see you then.